Welcome to the Cybersecurity Readiness Podcast Series with Dr. Dave Chatterjee. Dr. Chatterjee is the author of the book Cybersecurity Readiness, a holistic and high-performance approach, a sage publication. He has been studying cybersecurity for over a decade, authored and edited scholarly papers, delivered talks, conducted webinars and workshops, consulted with companies, and served on a cybersecurity SWAT team with chief information security officers. Dr. Chatterjee is Associate Professor of Management Information Systems at the Terry College of Business, the University of Georgia. As a Duke University visiting scholar, Dr. Chatterjee has taught in the Master of Engineering and Cybersecurity program at the Pratt School of Engineering. Hello, everyone. I'm delighted to welcome you to this episode of the Cybersecurity Readiness Podcast Series. Our discussion today will focus on asset discovery. We'll talk about the consequences of poorly managed asset inventory, challenges of asset discovery, various methods and approaches to asset discovery, and more. I'm delighted to have as my guest, Huxley Barbie, security evangelist at Run Zero and former cybersecurity practice lead at Cisco, who will share his thoughts and perspectives. Welcome, Huxley. Thank you very much, Dr. Chatterjee, for having me. So before we get into the details, Huxley, please share with the listeners some highlights of your professional journey. Absolutely. Thank you. So I've been working in security for over 20 years at companies like Datadog, Cisco Systems, and a number of security startups. And over the years, I focused on parts of cybersecurity, like secure messaging, secure web gateway, cloud security, and then, of course, finally, orchestrating security workflows. And one problem that I saw again and again with my customers, and these are these are really large customers, Fortune 500 customers, as, as well as really small customers, but they all had this problem where they had no idea what is on their network. And it's actually a really old problem. I remember over 20 years ago when I first ran Satan, the system, I think system administrator's tool for analyzing network, Satan. And I use that to discover what's on my own company's network. And the unfortunate reality is that asset inventory is still an unsolved problem for so many organizations. And they might have some tooling for for doing dealing with asset discovery, but usually they end up with with spreadsheets. And fast forward to about a year ago, I found Run Zero by by complete accident. I was talking to the CEO about the company, and I realized that Run Zero was actually solving this this age old problem. And so I eventually joined them as a security evangelist. Fantastic. There is no disagreement that managing assets is a huge part of cybersecurity governance. Because unless you know what you need to protect, you really cannot implement appropriate defense measures. That's right. And the more digitized we get, the more expansive our networks, especially in today's day and age where organizations are operating in a very remote kind of a a way. It makes it all, all the more challenging because employees and other stakeholders are using all kinds of devices, and then we have IoT devices. So keeping track of all these different devices located in all parts of the world, let's say, mm-hmm. is, is a huge undertaking. But though it's a huge challenge, it's not something that we can ignore considering the consequences of poorly managed asset inventory. I think you are an excellent person to talk about, share some stories, some anecdotes of the consequences of poorly sure. managed 
asset inventory. Yes, so absolutely. Uh, I'll talk about one example that was uh, it's an uh, anonymized because it's it's something that we at uh, we we know about personally, but I'll also talk about a more public example just to highlight the the consequences of poor asset inventory or lack of asset inventory. So in the example that's a little bit closer to home, uh, there was a medical production company that was breached. And this is this is a medical production co- company in the midst of the pandemic. So very critical, not just to the, the company itself, but maybe society at large. And law enforcement had to get involved in, in terms of dealing with the breach, remediation, and so on and so forth. And a primary recommendation from law enforcement that came out of that, that postmortem was that this company needed to implement a comprehensive asset inventory. And most recently, I think just a week ago, we see once again that the government has made this sort of recommendation in in a very big way. So CISA, the Cybersecurity Infrastructure Security Agency, which is a department of of the Department of Home. Uh, a sub-department of the Department of Homeland Security just released BOD 2301. BOD stands for Binding Operational Directive. And the directive has told all civilian federal agencies that they need to have a solution for asset inventory and vulnerability enumeration, both of those. Not only do they need to have this, they need to be able to cover their entire IPv4 address space, basically covering all of their assets. And they need to be able to do this. They need to be able to do this automated discovery every seven days, which, you know, especially if you don't already have an asset inventory, that's a very tall order. And not only do you need to be able to have this done every seven days, if CISA demands that you produce a report for a specific set of assets, for a specific set of vulnerabilities, you need to be able to return a report. Uh, you need to be able to run that that scan within 72 hours and return a report within seven days. So there's a lot going on here. There's a lot of recognition more and more, especially from government agencies of the need for for asset discovery whereas in the past people would say oh a good asset inventory a comprehensive asset inventory is, is foundational because it is part of cis bench, benchmarks control number one but more and more we're starting to see that there's a requirement there's this compulsory nature to asset discovery but to go back to your earlier question so i, I promised to talk a little bit more about a more public example of what happens when you don't have good asset inventory equifax Right back in 2017, we're all familiar with Equifax. How the adversary was able to breach Equifax through systems that had an unpatched version of Apache Struts. That particular incident, in large part, I would argue, came from not having good asset inventory. So let, let me give you a little bit more background about what I mean by asset inventory. Asset inventory isn't just a list of devices that you have on your network. It's also what is on those devices. What are the services on that are on those devices? What are the ports those those devices are listening to? But additionally, who owns those devices? And there there could be many different types of ownership, like the person that's logged into it, the business unit that owns it, who's the or the the IT group that that is in charge of it. But this sense of ownership of assets is also extremely important, and that is something that needs to go into the asset inventory as well. So, going back to Equifax. The company did send out an email to 
a bunch of folks in IT, system administrators, about affected systems. It just so happens that the systems that were breached, the ones that had this unpatched version of, of Apache struts, they didn't know the owner for that. Or or maybe the, the owner that was assigned to those machines wasn't at the company anymore or something like that. Whatever the case might have been, there wasn't proper ownership correlated with those assets. So even though the company sent out this email, hey, everybody, let's go and patch Apache struts, the people who needed to know for these particular assets did not find out. And that is a consequence of a poor asset inventory in this case. A second ramification here is the fact that these particular systems had outdated certificates. So, you know, whether or not you have certificates that are expired, that is also part of your asset inventory. And Equifax had this security detection tool that would analyze traffic, but it could only do so in the cases where there were where there's certificates that were current. And because they were not current, the detection tool was not actually was not actually scanning or inspecting that traffic like it needed to, like it needed to. A third ramification is asset inventory also tells you about where your assets are on the network and whether or not they can talk to each other. And a, a third, a third issue that we saw at Equifax was lack, lack of segmentation amongst those assets. And again, this just goes back to the idea of them not having a good enough asset inventory that would allow them to handle this type of situation on multiple levels. Wow, that is quite a revelation. The fact that systems that need to be patched are staying unpatched because they are not discoverable, that is very concerning. Now, backing up a little bit here, there is the ideal and then there is the practical. Like you said, it's a very complex undertaking to be able to list all the devices that's there, the services that they offer, the ports they connect to, the owners, having all these details in as comprehensive a manner and as possible is definitely a challenge. There are tools out there. You talked about using automated scanning tools. However, the question that comes to mind, why didn't organizations engage in comprehensive asset discovery? What were the hurdles, if any? Now that there is a CISA directive, what's the guarantee that organizations will be in a position to follow through with the orders. Yeah, yeah. So first, maybe we should talk about the, the biggest hurdle with asset inventory. There, there are many, of course, but the one that looms the largest is unmanaged devices, unmanaged assets. That is the Achilles heel of any asset inventory program. I think there was a recent Deloitte re research report that mentioned that 30, 32% of organizations believe that shadow IT assets are probably the biggest challenge for, for asset management. And these unmanaged devices pose a number of problems. Like, for example, the you cannot you cannot be really confident about audits or audit violations because of these unmanaged assets that you don't know about. These unmanaged assets cannot be patched because there's no ownership of them. They cannot be upgraded. You can't automate them or include them in some sort of automated workflow. And then oftentimes, you cannot turn them off right? Because they're unmanaged and they've just been sort of sitting out there. You, you, you might not be sure if this particular unmanaged asset is important. It might be running some sort of mission critical function for your organization, but you, so, you, so you, if you're not sure, you can't really turn it off. Or there's some cases where I've heard from customers where they know a particular asset 
that's unmanaged asset is 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 important, but it's been unmanaged for so long that that nobody wants to touch it. No, nobody's even even willing to to stand near it and breathe near it. And and these unmanaged assets, of course, have a very palpable security ramification. Many of our our customers tell us that they know what's going on with their standard issue workstations, their standard issue laptops. The biggest problem are those unknown unknowns because and because these unmanaged devices are unpatched, they're 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 they've not been upgraded in, in some time. These are probably the easiest targets for the adversary. Why would the adversary go for a well-managed, up-to-date patched machine when they can just go ahead and attack something that's out of date and unpatched with numerous exploits that that they might be able to download from the internet are, are gonna just work? So that is the, the security ratification. And this is why unmanaged assets looms largest in terms of hurdles for comprehensive asset inventory. And and then finally, unmanaged devices are the reason why customers end up using spreadsheets where their existing tooling just isn't performing the way they want. And so they have to end up using spreadsheets instead. Wow. And when you're talking about using spreadsheets, that immediately brings to mind the importance of, of constantly updating it, which is another arduous task. It never happens it brings back thoughts of access management using spreadsheets, identity and access management using spreadsheets. And right. I know in know in several companies, and it was absolutely bewildering to learn, to see that they're using spreadsheets to keep track of you know, everyone's permission levels, authorization levels, and then again, go back to the spreadsheets to make the changes as the professional roles change, the professional roles evolve. And obviously, that's not the ideal solution. So there was discussion of developing AI tools to automate the process. So I can totally understand why Excel spreadsheets is really not the answer. But like you explained, that's there are reasons why organizations are forced to go to spreadsheets. So, yeah. so moving along, let's get to some solutions, some recommendations, some approaches to better managing asset discovery? Sure. So there are a number of approaches out there for handling the situation. So the the first one that comes to mind is the use of agents. This is a very popular way of of doing asset discovery, asset inventory. And essentially, uh, when I say agents here, I mean endpoint agents, meaning that you put software on every single device. Now, this works to a certain extent, but mostly for managed IT assets. It doesn't work very well for unmanaged devices. The reason being, if you can put an agent on something, that means you already know about it. That means it's probably probably already managed. Mm-hmm. And so what it's not going to capture mm-hmm. are those unmanaged devices and unmanaged IT devices, OT devices, IoT devices, and so on and so forth. So it's a popular technique, but it actually doesn't handle the, the Achilles heel of asset inventory. Another approach is authenticated scans. This is where you have a piece of software that's sitting somewhere in your network, potentially on multiple locations throughout your network. And what you would do is you would then go through an IP range and attempt to log in to every single one of the, the endpoints that responds. And again, this works rather well for managed IT assets because if you know the credentials to log into these endpoints, then you probably already manage it. You probably probably already know about it. So again, 
it tends to miss those unmanaged IT devices, OT, IoT, and so on and so forth. Authenticated scans also has secondary negative security ramifications, so something known as credential spraying. So let's say, let's say you, right, the hacker. Dr. Dave Chatterjee, you you somehow were able to get onto the network and you were able to own a particular Linux box. So you own this Linux box and you can see you, you can replace the SSH server with your own with your own SSH server that's really just logging passwords. And now I have my authenticated scanner on the network and I'm I'm just logging into every single endpoint that I can get to and you your endpoint the one that you owned is now responding to my authenticated scan. I say, "Oh, there's a machine here. I'm going to log into this this machine. I think it's just a regular Linux box, so I send in a username and password. But you actually own this machine now, and so now you have credentials. You have credentials. I have provided to you. My my authenticated scanner has provided this to you, and now you have credentials that allows you to laterally move to other devices on the network. That's a that's a ramification of authenticated scans that's often not discussed, uh, but it's it's very important for folks to to be aware of. So I, I've mentioned two methods so far, two approaches so far, agents and authenticated scans, which we've said works well for managed IT, but not so much some of the other stuff. Well, there's a third approach called passive network monitoring. So in this approach, you would have a collector, a network traffic collector. Oftentimes, these come in the form of hardware appliances because of the amount of compute power that you need to ingest all the network traffic that's going on a network. There, there are, of course, virtual appliances these days for some of this stuff. But oftentimes, especially in larger networks, you still end up having to use a hardware appliance. And what you would do is you would reconfigure all of your switches or all the switches that have a choke point on the network to essentially mirror traffic or span traffic or copy traffic from the switch over to your collector. There are other ways to do this. You can set up a tap in, in the in strategic places throughout your network to get that sort of information. But in any case, what you're doing is you're, you're just basically collecting all the network traffic on the network. And the, the great thing about this is you end up seeing everything that's on the network as long as those devices are talking. If they're not talking on the network, then obviously you're going to miss it. This is also very popular especially in the OT space, because, well, agents, you usually cannot install on OT devices. And with authenticated scans, often you, you have this consequence where, because OT devices are designed to work in a very specific way, and oftentimes they're very old, many of them are running on like Windows XP, for example, that authenticated scans can actually crash these OT devices, which may be performing some sort of mission critical function within the organization. So passive network monitors are very popular in the OT space simply because there's no interrogation of these devices. And so therefore it's very safe. The major challenge though with passive network monitors is what if the device only talks once every year, like once a year, right? I, I once worked on a project when I was doing security orchestration workflows where a customer said, we have some, some devices that only talk on the network once a year. So you need to, you need to collect traffic for 13 months to make sure you're not missing anything, right? The other the other issue with passive monitors is the only information that you have to fingerprint devices, to identify those devices, is based on what is being spoken on the wire. So this might be a very terse information that you get from the network. And so oftentimes, passive network monitors have challenges in, in correctly identifying devices on the network. So there's a fourth approach, which has become more popular recently, 
which is to not do any discovery at all, but instead ingest asset inventory information from other other solutions, other tools within the existing IT and security toolkit. So the obvious problem with this is there are limitations. If the data sources from which you ingest that information don't know about these unmanaged devices, then then your collector, collecting data via API system is not going to know about them either. So there are limitations there as well in terms of unmanaged assets. So one final approach is called unauthenticated scanning. So similar to authenticated scans, you have software that's deployed in in strategic areas within the network, and it just goes through the IP range, goes through the IP space, and then talks to every single endpoint that responds and gathers information. The key difference between authenticated scans and unauthenticated scans, of course, is that unauthenticated scans do not try to log in to those endpoints. Instead, what they do is rely on information that's being reported over the wire without authentication in order to make a determination as to what that device is in order to do the fingerprinting. And what's interesting is this is the exact same approach that somebody in offensive security would take, right? People who are the adversary, people doing pen testing, they use this, this exact same approach. But oftentimes, they don't use the words asset discovery. They tend to call this recon. So with unauthenticated scanning, what you're doing is you're using a security research-based approach to make a determination as to what are all the devices that are on the network and uh, what those devices are, what are the services that they have available on them, and so on and so forth. So those would be the five approaches. And with unauthenticated scanning, you have best of many worlds. You have the ability to go out and find all the assets on the network even if they're unmanaged, but you don't have the problems of of credential spraying. And depending on how that unauthenticated scanner is implemented, you can even talk to OT devices without the fear of of crashing some sort of mission critical function. Well, thank you. Thank you for that very in-depth insight on the different approaches to asset discovery. So Huxley, in light of the new CISA guidelines, Mm -hmm. as, as organizations prepare to deliver on the expectations. Given that you shared the different approaches, and I'm sure companies are following through with some of them, if not all of them. Mm -hmm. Uh, And again, I'm not in the know of exactly what the guidelines are from CISA, but just at a general level, I often feel that maybe it's good to provide them with more than less. So would it make sense to provide them with the results from using more than one approach or Based on what I, what I heard, it seems that the unauthenticated scan seems to be the best approach. Can you please clarify? Yeah. So, so BOD 2301, the Binding Operational Directive 2301, which was just published, I think, a week ago. And what it's saying is you need to do two things, asset discovery and vulnerability enumeration. All right. So let's focus on the asset discovery part here. I'm going to read you a quote from, from the directive. It says, asset discovery is a building block of operational visibility, and it is defined as an activity through which an organization identifies what network addressable IP assets reside on their networks and identifies the associated IP address or hosts. Asset discovery is non-intrusive and usually does not require special logical access privileges. That second sentence is is so key. It needs to be non-intrusive and does not require special logical privileges. Non-intrusive means no agents, no authenticated scans. You potentially could do passive network monitor, but as we discussed earlier, 
with a passive nerve monitor, the, the fingerprinting is often lacking. So effectively, effectively, BOD2301 is suggesting that you use unauthenticated scans for the asset discovery portion of this particular directive. The second part of this is vulnerability enumeration. And depending on the asset discovery tool that you have, you could satisfy some of this. Oftentimes, you don't necessarily need to do a full vuln check to understand if assets are potentially vulnerable. So for example, let's 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 take an analogy here. Let's say, let's say you and I see somebody on the street and we see that this person is wearing glasses, not sunglasses, but like glasses like like you're you're wearing right now. Would it be fair for us to say to to assume that this person probably has some sort of need for corrective vision? Maybe they're nearsighted or farsighted. More often than not, we're going to be right. But you and I are not, well, I don't think you are. <laughs> you and I are not optometrists. We didn't actually do an eye exam on this person. We didn't, we didn't have them go through and, and recognize very small letters <laughs> up on the wall. We didn't do an eye exam. So how can we be sure? Well, even, even though we didn't do an eye exam, more often than not, we're going to be right. This person has a need for corrective vision. Very similarly with vulnerability scanning, the, the right thing to do is, of course, to do a full vuln check. Right. But oftentimes, just by knowing that, hey, this vulnerability affects these services. So, for example, going back to Equifax, just by knowing the version of Apache Struts that's running on a device, you could probably tell, hey, this has this is affected by this vulnerability. So very similarly, just by just by having a good asset inventory, you can say, oh, because this device has these services on it, there is high potential. We have reasonable confidence to believe that there is this vulnerability is present on that particular asset. This is not to say you don't need to do a vuln check. We always recommend that you do a full vuln check anyway. Always go to the optometrist and check your vision. But the, having good asset discovery and good asset inventory actually takes you quite a, quite a ways towards satisfying that need for vulnerability enumeration. Not necessarily full compliance with BOD 2301, but it, certainly good asset discovery takes care of the asset discovery part of the directive and can take you part of the way through the vulnerability enumeration part of the directive. Very interesting. In fact, as you were describing the expectations, a thought crossed my mind. Is there going to be a directive, unless there is one, that require organizations to promptly respond to vulnerability discoveries and document the actions taken? In other words, it is one thing to have vulnerability enumeration, to have comprehensive asset discovery. It's fundamental. It's at the foundation of everything. But it is equally important for organizations to report on the actions taken in response to the discoveries. Is there a CISA directive to that effect? Can you shed some light on that, please? So there, there's not there's not anything like that as far as I know that comes from a, a government directive similar to this BOD twenty three oh one, which which to be fair is has been published, but it's not enforced yet. The deadline for this is April twenty third of twenty twenty three. So civilian federal agencies have time to to be compliant, but in terms of directives that require folks to remediate within a certain amount of time. I have not seen that yet. However, however, I do think it's relevant to mention that in the private sector, the driver 
could come from from insurance in some cases. Now, obviously, there are many private organizations that take CSIS directives to heart, and they'll they'll voluntarily follow the directives like this, even though they're not a civilian federal agency. But just it's just good practice. Uh, there are many things that the prudent person principle, right, when applied correctly, would mean would would effectively mean that these private organizations take on CISA directives, CIS benchmarks, and what have you, and follow those. But we've noticed recently that there are cybersecurity insurance policies that require that require organizations to have a certain percentage of coverage of security controls on their assets. So what do I mean by that? So let's say, and this is just an example, I'm not quoting a specific cybersecurity insurance policy here, but a policy might say that an organization must have 95% coverage of endpoint detection and remediation on all of their assets. And this might affect whether or not they qualify for the insurance in the first place, or maybe it might affect what they have to pay in terms of premiums or something like that. But think about how you would answer that question or certify that 95% of your assets are covered by endpoint detection and remediation. Well, 95% of what? Well, 95% of your entire asset inventory. So without having a comprehensive asset inventory, you can't really answer the question of whether or not I have 95% coverage of uh, for EDR on all of my assets. So whether it be a government-issued directive or a financial requirement that comes from that arises from cybersecurity insurance, one way or another in the future, we we might see organizations having to come up with some sort of SLAs for remediation, remediation of of these vulnerabilities, or at least being proactive about being security on those assets. Yeah, very true. That makes a lot of sense. At the end of the day, there needs to be a recognition that comprehensive asset discovery is extremely important for a variety of reasons. And unless the organization is willing to have a good plan in place, a good procedure in place to engage in that exercise, they are going to be hurt more than anything else. So one is compliance. The other is a substantive buy-in where an organization might decide to go beyond the compliance expectations. Of course, there is the the time factor, there is the cost factor, there are other factors to be taken into consideration. But based on what I learned from our discussion today, it's a no-brainer that at the heart of a security program is the identification of all the sensitive assets where all they reside, even before you can start classifying them, categorizing them. So this is such such an important discussion or such an important area of cyber governance. I want to I want to double down on what you're saying here. Please, please, uh, please. And add to this, right? Please. And this is not me. This actually came from a customer. Mm-hmm. He told me that having comprehensive asset inventory allowed for his company, his organization, to move from a reactive security program to a proactive security program. So so think about it this way. If you don't know what you have, right? And the adversary is coming through into your network, laterally moving through your unknown unknowns. You're always going to be on the back foot. You're always finding about things that you didn't know about and having to react and and try and figure out what it is and, and deal with it with very little information. Oftentimes, like I said before, you know, the adversary does recon, they do recon. And so therefore, oftentimes the adversary knows more about your network than you do. And and of course, to combat that, you need 
need comprehensive asset inventory. But by by moving ahead with comprehensive asset inventory, they were able because they knew about all the assets. They were able to start becoming proactive about the security program. Oh, here are all these assets that, they, that we didn't know about. Oh, let's go ahead and get security controls on them. Like install EDR where where that's possible. Do a vuln scan of them where possible. Right by having that asset inventory, comprehensive asset inventory, they were able to move from a reactive security program to a proactive security program. And this is not to say that's the only ingredient that needs to go into making that transformation, but this particular customer credited this one improvement for for that that journey that they were able to go on. Absolutely, and thanks for sharing that. Means I I couldn't emphasize enough the importance of being proactive and not reactive. I can't emphasize enough the importance of engaging in comprehensive asset discovery without any kind of influence. Doing it on your own because you means the organization because you recognize this as such an important part of good cyber discipline. And frankly. If at any point an organization is in a court of law having to make their case about whether they were negligent or not, if they can provide evidence that they have engaged in comprehensive asset discovery on a regular basis and they have addressed the issues that have come up as a result of the discovery, and if there is a a record of of sustained such activity, proactive activity, that could only favor the organization. That could beef up the defense of the organization. So I, I can only see positives of taking this proactive approach. 100%. 100%. Fantastic. So we are kind of coming to the end of our discussion today. I'd like to give you the opportunity to fill in the gaps, if any. And also, if you wanted to summarize some of the key takeaways from our from our chat this morning. Sure, absolutely. I think one one thing that we haven't touched on here is that oftentimes asset inventory is not called out in security budgets. You'll 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 see in security budgets they need to spend X amount of dollars on EDR, on vulnerability management, and so on and so forth. Oftentimes asset inventory is not called out as a specific line item. And I would encourage all all the folks who who can, security managers, security directors, even even security practitioners to lobby with their leadership all the way up to the board of directors and say, hey, listen, this is foundational to our ability to execute our security program in an effective way. We need to have specific budget for asset inventory. So that that is one thing. I think the, the second thing, I think we, we, we already talked about it, but I just want to realize this, how important it is how how important asset discovery is to having a proactive security program. Without it, you couldn't do it, right? I'm not saying it's sufficient, but it's certainly required. Can I can I also plug Run Zero for a moment? Please, here? please do that. Yeah, yeah. So so Run Zero is a cybersecurity asset management solution that leverages both unauthenticated scans as well as API ingests that allows you to have a full asset inventory, comprehensive asset inventory, faster than anybody else, and uh, and is able to help you with your security programs by identifying security controls, coverage gaps, improving your vulnerability management program, and identifying risky assets so you can be as proactive as you can with your security program. And if you would like to try Run Zero, just go to the website, www.runzero.com. The, you can go ahead and download our, our solution, and you can get a full asset inventory 
starting in, in less than 60 minutes. Awesome. In that spirit of uh, making people aware of resources that they can check out, how about providing listeners with some selection criteria when they're evaluating different products in the market, asset discovery products? What what should they be aware of? What are the kinds of questions they should be asking? So it helps them in making good selections. Yeah. So one one important thing to understand the methodology, the solution approaches. Are you an agent-based approach? Are you an authenticated scan approach, passive network monitor, unauthenticated scan, and so on and so forth? The other one would uh, would be how long does it take? What does the deployment look like? Do I need professional services in order to get this done? Do I need to install hardware? Or is this just something that I can self-service, download without a credit card, and and get started in in less than 60 minutes? And I think the third thing that you want to look at is what is the level of detail that I am able to gather from this asset inventory? So as I mentioned before, it's not just about whether you have a list of devices. It's also about what's running on them. What ports are they listening on? What services do they have? And who is the owner of these assets? And then I think the fourth thing is, what else can this asset inventory do for me? Can it help me out with identifying security controls, coverage gaps, can help help me out with improving the vulnerability management program and so on and so forth. Well, thank you so much, Huxley. This has been a pleasure. Appreciate your time and insights. And I'm sure we will have many more discussions in the future. Thank you again. Thank you, Dr. Chatterjee. This has been, this has been fun. Thank you. A special thanks to Huxley Barbie for his time and insights. If you like what you heard, please leave the podcast a rating and share it with your network. Also, subscribe to the show so you don't miss any new episodes. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you in the next episode. The information contained in this podcast is for general guidance only. The discussants assume no responsibility or liability for any errors or omissions in the content of this podcast. The information contained in this podcast is provided on an as-is basis with no guarantee of completeness, accuracy, usefulness, or timeliness. The opinions and recommendations expressed in this podcast are those of the discussants and not of any organization. 